This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Baruchem Habayim, welcome everyone to tonight's very special event in honor of the new Sefer that's hot off the press, Sefer Magad Harakiah, on Sefer Shemois. Baruch Shechianu Vikimanu Vigianu Lazman Hazah. Very excited and I'm very humbled to have this Zuchus uh, and opportunity. This is a, a Sefer that's um, very substantial in size and I hope in quality as well. It's uh, more than 700 pages and it covers many of the main themes and subjects of Sefer Shemais. First, let's begin by thanking the hosts of tonight's event. Tonight's uh, shir is hosted by Chazak. I want to thank my dear friends, Rav Ilan, Rav Yaniv Meirav, uh, the leaders of Chazak, they do tremendous work. Uh, I want to thank my friend Rabbi Aboff for organizing tonight's event. And whatever you could do to help Chazak, especially in their capacity of enrolling Jewish public school students in yeshivas, which is mamish hatzolas, nefashos, mamish, so tavay aleichem bracha. I want to thank the sponsor of tonight's shir, Chickens for Shabbos. Uh, I know chickens for Shabbos uh, personally from uh, the time that I was uh, living in Queens, when I was a rub in Queens. And you could go to the Yad Eliezer site and hit the icon for Agunos, uh, Amanos, and Melamdim. And whatever you could do to support these families, these are Yidin who need it most. Without our Melamdim, then we don't have a future we don't have hope for the next generation. So please contribute generously to Chickens for Shabbos. And in that Zuchus, may Hashem bless you and your families only with bracha v'hatzlacha, nachas de kedusha, ad biyas goyal tzedek. Sefer Shemais, of course, the main personality that we're introduced to in Sefer Shemais is Moshe Rabbeinu. Rabban u Moshiyan shal Yisrael. And the Gemara says that this Moshe had many names. The Gemara counts seven names of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe, Yered, Gedoyer, Chever, Soichai, Yekusiel, Zanoyach. The Medrash adds three more names. Toiv, Tuvya, Shmaya ben Nisanel. A total of ten names. And in fact, in Vayikra Rabbah, the Medrash says, Asara Shemois. Nikru Ulai Lamaisha. And despite all the names that his father and his mother gave him, and all the names that Klal Yisrael referred to him as, he is referred to in the Torah only by the name that Basya, the daughter of the Pharaoh, gave him. Like the Pasuk says, Vayigdal Hayeled, Vatavieyu Labas Paroi. Vayihila Leven, Vatikra Shemai Moshe, Vatoimer Ki Min Hamayim Mishisihu. Lechaira, it's a wonder. Why was the name of Moshe established for all generations based on the daughter of the Pharaoh and not on any of the other names? He had very nice names. Tuvia is a nice name. Toiv sounds pretty good to me. Avigdar, no. The Torah refers to him repeatedly with the name that the daughter of the Pharaoh gave him. We could ask even further. Chazal say in the Medrash on the Pasuk, Vayar Hashem Kisar Lirois, Vayikra Ilav Eloikim, Mitoy Chasne, Vayoimer, Moshe, Moshe. 
Says the Medrash, Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, by your life, I swear, from all the names that I'm going to call, that you have, I will only call you the name that the daughter of the Pharaoh called you. Vatikra Shemai Moshe. Therefore, Vayikra El Moshe. So Chazal are focusing on why is it that the Rebbein calls out to this individual by the name Moshe? It's because God took an oath. He swore. The Rebbein swore he will only use the name that the daughter of the Pharaoh called Moshe Rabbeinu. And this is very uh, interesting and worthy of our attention. Why would it be that the Rebbein Shem would only use the name that Basya Bas Parai called? Now, if we contemplate the matter, we will recognize and understand that every Jew today, even though we go about our business, and we may live in a free country, and we have liberty, and we have freedom. But every Jew alive today, after 2,000 years of Galas, after all the trials and tribulations that the Jewish people have encountered for 2,000 years, we could consider ourselves an Ud Mutzomeyesh. We are a She'eris. We are one out of a thousand and this is something we have to live with constantly. We can't just go through life, oh yeah, I'm a Jew, and uh, I'm continuing a long legacy of loyal Jews. We have to have the proper perspective and proper understanding of our history in order to move forward into our future. And it is imperative to recognize that we are all what is called a She'eris Hapleta, a small remnant of survivors after a long, difficult history that the vast majority of our brothers and sisters did not survive. Rabbi Beryl Wine, the great rabbi, he was a Rosh Hashiva, historian, he records in his Sefer, B'Mesila Na'ala. Actually, I was looking for that uh, Sefer for many, many years. And they just uncovered like eight copies, and I was, uh, of course, I ordered it. And in our new Sefer, Magda Rakyan Shemais, bring down a few very powerful stories. And I've said these stories numerous times over the years, but I like to repeat it in this context. Again, this is in the Psicha of our new Sefer, Magad Harakia on Shemais, which is available on our site, RabbiDG.com. You could order now with free shipping. <clears throat> and Rabbi Wine talks about the first time he came to the special memorial, the children's memorial in Yad Vashem, memorial made to one and a half million Jewish children whose souls were plucked out in the prime of their life, in their youth. It was donated by a family named Spiegel, who lost their son in, the, in, the, in Auschwitz, and they made a, a big contribution to Yad Vashem, and they later endowed it. And this was uh, a memorial that caught Rabbi Wein off guard. He expected to see exhibits, uh, brochures, documents, and he was completely unprepared for what he encountered. He entered a room 
many, many feet tall, three times the height of an average room. And the room was black. It was dark. It was pitch black. You couldn't put one foot in front of the other. And you go into the room. And your eyes have to adjust to the the, the palpable darkness. And there's one candle lit. And through the genius of the architect and the designers, through mirrors, that one pinpoint of light is reflected until it becomes a million and a half pinpoints of light glimmering in the all-pervasive darkness. And all you hear is a voice that is playing. And the voice says, Miriam Cohen, eight years old, Sarajevo. Yaakov Friedman, nine years old, Vilna. Rachel Grossman, six and a half years old, Lipna. Voice, name after name after name after name after name after name until you can't take it anymore and you have to run out of the room. And Rabbi Wine writes that he thought to himself, wait a minute, my name wasn't mentioned. I was of age. If my family still would have been in Europe, then I would have experienced what those children experienced. But my name wasn't on the list. They didn't read my name. And if my name is, uh, is not on that list, and I'm still alive and kicking then there's a reason for that. There's a reason the Almighty saved me. Then I have a responsibility in this world. I have an obligation in this world. I have an achrayas. If my name is that not on that list. And the truth is, every Jew alive today, his name is not on that list. He made it through 2,000 years of selection of Egypt where four-fifths of our people were decimated, of the destruction of the first temple, destruction of the second temple, of forced baptism, 1391, Inquisition, 1492, Crusades of the 11th century, Tach Holocaust. And if we're still around, that means our name is not on that list and we have a responsibility Rabbi Wine, on page 415 in his Sefer, brings the story, I've said the story over many times. It's because the story has a lot of personal meaning to me because my grandfather, Sechazag Levracha, Harav Mordechai Leib Gladstein, met Rav Herzog in the DP camps. Rav Herzog told him about this incident of when Rav Herzog went to meet with the Pope. So I'll share with you, Rabbi Wine says, that when he was a young boy, he was an only child, and one day, shortly after World War II, his father said, Barrow, we're going to the airport. And he says, what's in the airport? And Rabbi, and Rabbi Wein's father said, well, a great rabbi is coming, a great luminary, Rabbi Isaac Halevi Herzog. He's coming to Chicago, and we're going to greet him at the airport. And all the yeshiva students... And the Balabatim greeted Rav Herzog, who was a very aristocratic personality. He wore a shiny top hat and he had a cane. And he alit from the plane holding his Tanakh. 
And he's accompanied by a few hundred boys and, and balabatim to the Skoki Yeshiva, where Rav Herzog gives a 45-minute pilpul share. And then he says, I would like to speak to the young men of the Skoki Yeshiva. He says, my dear boys, I just came back from audience with the Pope and I brought with me to the Pope a list of names of 10,000 boys and girls. Children who their families didn't know how they would be able to care for them and that if they would stay at home, they would probably send it off to the gas chambers to be gassed and burned. And therefore these families gave over these children to Christian families, to monasteries, to convents. Rev Herzog said to the Pope, I have the names of these 10,000 children. They're our children. Now you're holding on to them unlawfully, unrightfully. Give them back. Give us back our children. And the Pope flatly refused. The Pope said all of these children that were given over to us, they were baptized. And once a child is baptized, they, make, they can never be given back to another religion. All of these children have been baptized. We will never give them back. And the Pope slammed the door on Rav Herzog. Rav Herzog then says to the young men of the Skoki Yeshiva, There is nothing that I can do for these 10,000 boys and girls. But you're still around. What will you do for the future of the Jewish people? Rabbi Wein says, Those words reverberate in his ears throughout his life. Whenever he's despondent, whenever he's at a loss of energy, whenever he wants to throw in the towel, he hears Rav Herzog cry out, What will you do for the future of the Jewish people if you're still around? And then Rabbi Wein writes that it occurred to him that this is the reason why the Rebbein Shalom always referred to this individual as Moshe, Kimin Mishisihu, I saved you from the Nile. Hashem came to Moshe and he charges him with this great mission to be the leader, the savior of the Jewish people, to take us out of Egypt, to give us the Torah. This is not something Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to do on his own. Moshe Rabbeinu was a humble man. He would have preferred to say, Give it over to Aaron, give it over to Kolei Ben Yifuna. Anybody but me, Shlach Nabiat Tishlach. Anyone but me, this I don't want to do this. So therefore God calls to him, Moshe, Moshe, I yanked you out of the Nile. You should have been lunch for the asps and the crocodile and the pharaohs. And you should have has underwent the same fate that the rest of the children of the Jewish people underwent. The rest of the Yalde Yisrael, they were eaten by the crocodile. They were killed by the Pharaoh. But I yanked you out of the sea. Moshe, Moshe, Kimen Amayim I saved your life. And if I saved your life, you got work to do. You can't throw in the towel if your name is not on that list. If you didn't go down into the Nile like the rest of the Jewish children. If I pulled you out of the sea, then you have a responsibility, you have a mission, you have a tafkid, you have a purpose in this world to fulfill what I charge you with. And therefore, says Rav Wein, the reason why Moshe Rabbeinu 
The reason why Moshe Rabbeinu is called only by the name of Moshe is because God is explaining to him why he has to accept the task. Moshe, Moshe, I yanked you out of the sea and you didn't suffer the same fate of the rest of the Jewish children. Rabbi Wine brings down the story that when he was a young boy, the Panavitcharov came to the yeshiva and he spoke about how there was a group of young men in Palestine who they were single-handedly fighting off the British, sort of being sowing the seeds to be able to establish a homeland and a state. But the Panavitcharov said that if he had a group of eight or ten young ambitious Tamil Chachamim, he'd be able to build a country of Torah Avoidah. What the Panavitch was, was teaching was that if a person feels the responsibility of having emerged as a She'er Sapleta from 2,000 years of trials and tribulations, then there's a major responsibility that rests on our shoulders and we should feel, okay, I'm energized, we some. what would you like me to do for Klal Yisrael and the Jewish people? And these are stories that evoke a lot of emotion with me personally because I had this chus to grow up hearing about the miraculous salvation of my revered and saintly grandfather, Harav Mordechai Leib Gladstein, Zechetzak Levracha, who every day of his life also heard, heard the call of Moshe Moshe, because he was saved from the gas chambers, from the crematoria, from under the nose of the SS, from under the nose of the German people and the Nazis, and he felt the responsibility that if he was an Ud Mutzomeish, what could he do to revitalize, to resuscitate, to resurrect? the She'eris HaPleta, the remnant of a people who had survived that great catastrophe. I would like to share with you two stories that happened to my grandfather personally that are recorded in uh, the Sefer Magad Harakia. Again, uh, it's available at our site, RabbiDG.com. You could order with free shipping or it's, a, it's available at better farm stores in your neighborhood. Two extremely powerful, miraculous stories that my grandfather experienced and he told us about. And they're recorded in the biography that we put together on our grandfather, which is not in print right now. It's called Parash HaSkedula Mordechai, and I would like to share with you at this time. When my grandfather, a blessed memory, was in Dachau, the Emek Habacha, the valley of weeping of the Germans' machine of murder. He was chased to the crematoria, a place where thousands of Jews were convulsing, were being burnt, choking with Misa Meshunah. And he said to his brother, Rav Hanoi Chenach, he said, you know, we have to prepare ourselves now for our death. And his brother said, please, my dear brother, my throat is... So dry, I'm going to die of choking even before I, I enter. Please give me a little bit of water. And my grandfather responded, We cannot drink water now, because then it will prolong our death. And they were waiting at the threshold of the crematoria, 
and they were about to go in, and at the last moment they were yanked out. The Nazi said, you're young, you're capable of work, get out! And my grandfather said, it was an open miracle. And then maybe the most well-known story said over about my grandfather. My grandfather smuggled in a pair of tefillin into a particular camp called Radom, which was under the auspices of a terrible Russia named Ficus. And despite the great danger, they awoke every morning to put on the tefillin at the crack of dawn, first my grandfather, and then his brother, Hanach. My grandfather put on the tefillin one particular morning, and then he gave it to his brother, and Uncle Hanach puts on the tefillin shalyad, and he picks up the tefillin shalroish to place it on his head. And just then, Ficus walks in, and he sees this Jew putting on tefillin, and he raises up the pistol to shoot. But then he looked at the tefillin shalroish perched on the head of the tzaddik. And he was gripped with terror. He was stricken with panic. And he put the gun down and he ran out. And my grandfather said it was an open miracle. This is what the Gemara says in Brachas on the Pasuk in Devarim Vero Kalame Haaretz Kishem Hashem Nikra Alecha Fiyarumi Mecca. These are two stories. Just Tipa Shabayam of the Alafim Veravavais, of miracles that Hashem performed for our grandfather, not just that he should survive, because it occurred to me very simply that not only did God save my grandfather, but He saved my father, He saved me, He saved my children. Had the Rebbe not made those miracles for him, we would not be here. And therefore, we have to always be cognizant and focused on the idea that if we're around today, then Hashem is calling out to us. He's saying, Moshe, Moshe, I rescued you from Egypt when four-fifths of our people were destroyed. I rescued you from the destruction of the first temple, from the second temple, when the, where the death toll was 1.1 million and then the Romans hunted down every last Jew they could find. And the Rebbe saved us from all the various difficulties of our history. You know the famous words of Rabbi Yaakov Emden in the Hakdama of his Siddur? He says, someone who analyzes the state and the status of the Jewish people in this world, the storm-tossed nation, the scattered sheep, after everything that has transpired, who the nations of the world have attempted to annihilate us, and yet, we're still around in full vitality. Not a, and a letter of our Torah is missing. After everything that has taken place, says Rabbi Yaakov Emden, when I contemplate all this, I swear, God loy etzli yoiser, it is greater to me, than all the miracles that God performed for our forefathers in Egypt. Greater than the splitting of the sea, greater than the Makos, is the miracle of continual Jewish survival. You know, we always say, if only God would perform a miracle for us, like the splitting of the sea. <laughs> no! 
The people in the times of the Exodus, when they saw the splitting of the sea, they said, God, could you perform a great miracle? A miracle the likes of which will the Jews in 2023 will see when they look at the face of another Jew? That's a much greater miracle than the splitting of the sea. But the miracle has a message. And the, mer- the message is, I've saved you. You've been rescued. You've been saved. It's for a purpose. It's for a tachlis. You have a mission in this world. You have a purpose in this world. Moshe, Moshe. And we have no choice but to say, Rebbein what do you want? We're willing to do it. It's a call, Mila Shem Eli. That is the message of the name of Moshe. That's the message of Sefer Shemais, and that's the message of Jewish, Jewish history in general. I want to share with you one other thought about the name Moshe. I want to again thank the sponsors of tonight's event, Chickens for Shabbos. Please go to the Yad Eliezer site. Whatever you can do to help out, Tavay Aleichem Bracha. Rav Chaim Shmulevitz in his Sichos Musar focuses on the idea that a name is not merely an appellation attributed to a certain person or item. But a name is great wisdom. When the Malachi Asharis asked God about Adam, about the first man, Hashem said, His wisdom is greater than yours. Because He could name a Shar, a Chamar, Adam Arishon could look at an entity and capture the essence of all the fullness and details of that entity with one word. That was the wisdom of Adam Arishon. He, he gave a name for Hashem, Aleph Dalad Nun Yud. So if a name captures the essence of something, why of all the names uh, that are ascribed to the leader of Klal Yisrael, the Moshiach Yisrael, Moshe, why choose the name Moshe, the name that Basia gave him, the question we began with. And Reb Chaim Shalevitz advances a, an amazing idea that when Basia Bas Paroi stretched out her arm to save Moshe, that act of salvation injected in Moshe her capacity. Now what was she doing at that time? She was risking her life, violating the decree of the Pharaoh, who said, and she was risking her life to save this child. She was being Moshe Nefesh, and the key ingredient of a Jewish leader is Mesiras Nefesh, self-sacrifice. So by rescuing him, she injected within him the self-sacrifice that she put into him. So Moshe's essence, Moshe's being, was elevated through the self-sacrifice of Basia Baspare. But perhaps we could offer another beautiful idea to explain why the name Moshe really captures the essence of this individual, going along the lines of Reb Chaim Shalevis, that the act of Basia really injected within him a certain kayach and capacity. You know, when Moshe Rabbeinu stood at the burning bush and he wondered why the bush was not being consumed, the Pasuk says, Vayera malach Hashem elov belabas eish mitaych hasneh, Vayar vihinei hasneh, Boyer beish vasneh inenu ukol, Vayoyver Moshe asura na vayeres hamara godol hazeh, Let me turn around and see, why is the bush not burning? Oh, Vayar Hashem Kisar Leroyz. God said, You're trying to understand why the bush is not burning. God called him from the burning bush. The Sfarno explains. 
When the Pasuk says, Asura na ve'era, I will turn and I will see, that means, Esboinein ve'era, I will contemplate and see. And then Hashem reacted. Vayar Hashem kisar l'rois. God saw that he turned to see, meaning to be misboinein. And God called out to him to tell him the idea, like Chazal say, Habolitaher Messiah In other words, the Sfarno's understanding that Moshe Rabbeinu made a small effort to try to understand the prophetic image that he was seeing, why the bush was not being consumed. God saw his efforts, so God said, you're making an attempt, you're trying to understand. I will endow you with the depth of understanding and wisdom of what the meaning of this prophetic image was. This is an example of one who comes to purify themselves, they assist, they assist the person. And then the Svarno says, this is not the only time in Moshe's career that he did a small act and God assisted his efforts. Says the Svarno, that Moshe went up to God and God called out to him from the mountain. So I heard from one of my Rabbeim in Rosh Yeshiva, Rav Tzvi Turk Shlita. What the Svarno means is what he explains in Parshas Yisrael. That Moshe said, Klal Yisrael are busy with their tents, but Moshe went up and he prepared himself for Nevoah. So because Moshe prepared himself for Nevoah, God came down and He gave the Torah to Moshe. Herzachayim, listen to what's taking place over here. Moshe Rabbeinu was preparing himself for Nevoah, and the Almighty says, okay, you're doing your effort? I will now come and teach you Kala Two times in history, Moshe Rabbeinu makes a very small step. He tries to understand the meaning of the burning bush. God says, you're making an attempt. I will give you the insight to help you understand the meaning of this prophecy. Moshe Rabbeinu prepares himself to receive divine communion. God said, you're making an attempt. You're making an effort. I will reward you the rest of the way. Oyoim v'noira. Think about it. Had Moshe Rabbeinu not made that small effort, the Torah would not have been given. But once Moshe Rabbeinu did that small step, then this grand body of information that no human being could fathom was given to him because of his small efforts. This is the greatest il- illustration of Haba Letaher Messiah, one who comes to purify himself, they assist him. Which means that the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu, if you needed to sum it up, what was it based on? What catapulted him to greatness? What catapulted him to greatness where he recognized that through small efforts, Rebbe comes and elevates you many times over. Where did he get this limut from? Where did he get this capacity from? Who taught this to Moshe Rabbeinu? Chafetz Chaim writes that we see a similar idea from Basia Basparai. Basia Basparai was bathing in the river. She saw a Jewish child. He was so far away. What does she do? She stuck at her arm. Would that reach him? No, that would not reach him. That would not do the job. She would never get to him. But she did her part. She stretched out her arm. And the Gemara in Soita says, She made a small effort, and the Rebbe Hashem took her the rest of the way there. 
In other words, yes, Moshe Rabbeinu's operating principles, modus operandi was, Habolatayr, Messiah, he said, let's just do a small effort, and the will take us the rest of the way there. But the first illustration of such an idea was really brought out by Basio Basparoi. So we could say in the Derech of Reb Chaim Shmulevitz that of all the names that Moshe was given, you know which name really sums up his greatness? What's the greatness of Moshe? Moshe's greatness was, he didn't say, well, it's impossible to receive the divine, divine communication of the Torah, so why even start? It's impossible to understand this prophecy of the burning bush. Why even start? No, Moshe Rabbeinu understood. You do a small effort. You try to understand the prophecy and Hashem will help you. You try to prepare yourselves for Nevoah and God will assist you many times over. But what endowed Moshe Rabbeinu with this ability? When Basya stuck out her arm just a little bit, the Yubansham extended that arm many, many times over. That limud of Basya injected Moshe Rabbeinu with this operating principle of the power, of the dynamite, of the principle of Haba Latahir Messiah Oisai. This was the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu. And therefore, of all the names that Hashem gave Moshe, He said, I will only call you by the name of Basya Moshe Rabbeinu. So I thank you all for listening. I was very happy to share with you uh, today from the Yipsicha of the Sefer Magad Harakiah, as well as the Maimer called Shemois Psiya Ketano Shemois Rabbeinu, which is Maimer Dalid. The Sefer is available at better Forum stores you can get at rabbidg.com with free shipping. I thank Chazak for hosting tonight's event. Whatever you could do to help out Chazak, especially in enrolling uh, public school students in yeshivas, then Tavay Alechem Bracha. Please thank you to Chickens for Shabbos. Go to the Yad Eliezer site, hit the icon for Agunois Almanois Melamdin, and whatever you could do to help out these Mishbachos, Tavay Alechem. Bracha min hashamayim shefa, bracha v'hatzlacha. This week, we begin Sefer Shemais. Let this haschala catapult us. Adler Akiah, may the Rebbe Hashem see our small efforts. V'habol etaher, Messiah Noisai, agitavach, agizintavach, amazel dekavach. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.